Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Oh, come on. This crowd over here didn't say a word. How you doing, guys? I'm Jim. Everybody say, hey, Jim. See, now we're old friends. We know each other. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I'm the senior pastor of the Bridge uh, Ministries, and uh, we're a church with four locations, and I'm thrilled to death to be in the Mount Olive location of the Bridge today in this house. Can somebody give it up for Mount Olive Bridge? See, I get nothing, Pastor Ivan, but... The Mount Olive Bridge, buddy, they get some recognition. Thanks so much. Pastor Andrew and I are swapping pulpits today. He's over in Princeton ministering uh, the word, and I'm excited to be here. This is my lovely bride, Kim. Everybody say, hey, Kim. And so we've been married 43 years, something like that. And I, can, I can't remember when I wasn't married. And I'm thrilled uh, that God's given me such an amazing wife, and, and we're blessed. So let's get into message time today. I, I believe the Lord has a word for us today, and I don't say that every Sunday. I, you know, I, I don't come out and say, oh, we got this amazing prophetic word. But it, the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, the more I considered it, I just I feel like the Lord's going to speak something very profound into uh, somebody's life today, maybe all of us. But, but I've been opening my heart and praying, God, speak to me today, and I pray that you'll open up and hear more than just some information, but that you'll, you'll receive some transformation today that the Lord will speak into your spirit today. Let me just start by telling a quick famous story from Rudyard Kipling. Some of you know Kipling. He was one of the most famous authors in the 1800s. Prolific author wrote How the Leopard Got His Spots, The Jungle Books, a lot of those uh, famous books. He was one of the wealthiest writers of his day as well. And the story goes that a reporter walked up to him one day and said, Mr. Kipling, according to the money that you've made on your books, each one of your words is worth $100. So here's $100. I need one of your $100 words. To which Mr. Kipling said, he took the, pay, took the money, folded it up, put it in his pocket, and said, thanks. <laughs> we're in a series we're calling Grateful, and what we're doing leading up to Thanksgiving is we're looking at some of those things that we are, in fact, thankful for, that we're grateful for, just to stir our hearts and get us thinking. Obviously, there are hundreds of things, maybe thousands of things that we could identify if we brainstormed over, uh, you know, what are we thankful for? So we've picked four things in our spiritual journey, in our journey in relationship with connecting with God and with his family that we think is meaningful. We started the series talking about uh, how thankful or grateful we are that we serve a God of second chances and 90 second chances if that's what you need, that he gives us fresh starts and that's who he is. Last week we talked about how grateful we are that he created a mechanism by which we can tell the world that we are saved and, and dozens, literally dozens of people across the bridge locations signed up to be water baptized on November 18th. If you have not been water baptized since you gave your life to Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about infant baptism, or I'm not talking about you did it when you were 12 because everybody else is doing it. I'm talking you made a decision to follow Jesus and you're going to tell the world about it. If you haven't done that yet, uh, fill it out on your Connect card. Let somebody know today, November 18th is the next baptismal service here at the Bridge uh, Mount Olive and across our locations. Next week is Veterans Day weekend, and we'll be, uh, be just expressing gratitude for the sacrifices that have been paid, both nationally and eternally, for the things that we enjoy as Christians and even as Americans. Today, I want to talk about, maybe, maybe it's the overarching thing that we're grateful for. It's the one big thing that everybody wants, and, and I'm just simply going to call it life. We're, we're grateful for life, 
but a specific kind of life. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. If you've got your Bible, you can flip there. You can go to the Bridge, Bridge NC app and look it up. Go over to Notes and Locations and open up Mount Olive. You can follow along. Save it to your journal. You can take your own notes. There's a notepad there. Follow along. Get into this thing. Let's walk through it together. Here's Jesus' words. Let's read it together. It's on the screens. Here we go. One, two, three. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Let's do it again because I want to actually hear you this time. The thief's purpose was to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some translations say abundant life. Some say life in its fullness. At the end of the day, rich and satisfying life is a lovely paraphrase that I really like. So the goal is, uh, today, I just want to show you how. Real practical, I want to show you how to have a rich and satisfying life. I want to give you four uh, steps from Scripture that you can take, four action steps that you can take that will result in a rich and satisfying life. I is that worth a few minutes of our time? I mean, if, if you're not interested in that, then God bless you. Thanks for coming. You can come out next Sunday. Andrew will be here. He'll have a fresh word for you. But if it's, it's meaningful, then maybe let's spend a few minutes uh, in a story uh, from Jesus' life that I think pulls those four action steps out. And I hope and I pray sincerely. Again, I believe this is a, a real live word, not just a story uh, for each of us. Four action steps that we can take, frankly have to take, if we want this rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised, let's get into it. Step number one is I will recognize my need. Say it with me. I will recognize my need. One more time. I will recognize my need. Let's, let me set the story up for you. Again, you can go there in the scriptures or to the Bible, in, uh, the Bridge NC app. But here we go. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. So let's get the scene because I want you to get this picture in your mind. Uh, Jesus is traveling uh, along the countryside from Jerusalem, the big town, out to a village. And, and he's just about to come in. The Bible says that as he was going into, which tells me that he's on the outskirts of town. Everybody with me? Do your heads like this. Let's track together, okay? So a second thing, what does he encounter when he's in the outskirts of town? You didn't think I was going to do all the talking, did you? What, what did he encounter? Ten lepers. Okay, here we go. Now, let's, let's talk about leprosy for just a minute. Leprosy, of course, is one of the most horrific uh, diseases ever known to mankind, and thankfully, uh, physical leprosy is all but wiped off the face of the earth these days. But there are three characteristics of leprosy that I want you to understand before we move on in our story. I think there are three critical uh, characteristics of this terrible disease. One is it is pr uh, profoundly pervasive. By pervasive, if you think about leprosy, if you know anything about the disease, it, it starts out with just a little white spot on the skin, but it begins to spread until it, it, it starts to rot the skin, and eventually your fingers start to fall off. In time, uh, your toes start to fall off. Eventually, your nose falls off. It is not generally a fatal disease. You can live a very long life but it is pervasive. It, it invades every part of your being, and there are occasions when it attacks an organ and you die, but for most people, it's a long and horrible death where, uh, where you, in fact, wish you were dead. So it's pervasive. The second characteristic is that it's incredibly contagious. In fact, in those days, as soon as you had the disease, you had to go to the priest, and the priest declared that you were unclean, and you had to leave town. 
That's why he's on the outskirts of town and he sees these leopards because they had no option but to live out in the countryside, forage for food, do the best they could. And in fact, if anybody came along that was within contagious uh, distance, they had to holler, unclean, unclean, which is to say, I got leprosy, you don't want to come over here. So it's this kind of uh, contagious thing that everybody's very nervous about uh, getting uh, in contact with. And the third characteristic is ultimately that it, it, it lends to broken or leads to broken relationships. There's no contact with friends or family. There's no Facebook or video conference calls back then. And so basically you're isolated for the rest of your life. And every relationship that you had that was meaningful to you is now over because the only fr friendships you have can be your fellow lepers. Now again, think about it with me for a minute. Physical leprosy as a disease has all been eradicated from the earth. Every now and then it'll pop up and they've got antibiotics. will take care of it nowadays. But how many of you agree with me that spiritual and emotional leprosy is alive and well? I mean, just think about it for a minute. Think about this idea of, of something that is pervasive, that it ultimately it can start small, but ultimately takes, it consumes your whole life, dominates your life. Think about this contagious thing. Not only does it dominate your life, but affects and infects everybody around you and ultimately leads to broken relationships, separates you from the people that you love. Think about that from a spiritual and emotional perspective, and I think we'll all agree that leprosy is alive and well. I mean, think about addictions, substance abuses. Think about holding on to old hurts. Think about holding on to old habits. Think about holding on to resentment. Think about a critical spirit. Do those fit the pattern? How about holding on to dysfunctional relationships? Does that fit the pattern? How about living in denial of a very real need in your own life? Does that, is that pervasive and contagious and breaks relationships ultimately? H how, about, how about trying to do everything yourself and control everything in your environment? Does it? Is this resonating, guys? You see, so leprosy as a physical disease may well have been eradicated, but there's a whole lot of spiritual and emotional leprosy that's still around. Uh, aren't you glad that we don't have to deal with any of that stuff at the bridge? Can I tell you how glad I am that we do? Can I tell you how much I love our church? Because this is a place where real people will, with real problems can come and get real hope and real help in Jesus' name. You ain't got to fake it to make it here. <laughs> you can be real. You can take the mask off. You can say, you know what? I got a little leprosy. It's real. I don't want to live here. But you can be honest about it. It's a place where we celebrate on a regular basis around here the leprosy that's being healed across our house. In fact, if I'm honest, guys, it's a place where I pinch myself every now and then and say, I get to be a part of this. Pastor Ivan and I were talking before the service about how God does things sometimes, and we think, man, we just blew it. We just bombed. We just didn't have it together today, and then God does some amazing thing, and we go, wow, I got credit for what he did. I knew I blew it. I mean, it's just, that's the joy of being a part of a place like this. I talked just this past Sunday with a couple at the bridge uh, after uh, Princeton after, after the second service 
I was walking through the lobby, and I saw this couple that I recognized, and um, um, and they were walking through the lobby, uh, head held high, shoulders squared, smiling, meeting, greeting people as they walked along. And I walked over to them and said, guys, i got to tell you how proud I am for you because I remember when we met six months ago. And they both looked at me with huge grins on their faces because they remember when we met six months ago, too. I met them in the sanctuary after one of the services when the crowd had cleared, and they acknowledged to me that they were both heroin addicts and their marriage was on the rocks. And now six months later, they're walking through the lobby with big smiles, and she said, we've been clean for six months. We've been clean since that day. That day. Now, I tell you that story because it's a wonderful story and it's a powerful illustration of what God can still do and does still do. And then we get to be a part of a church where that kind of stuff happens. But I tell you the story because of the point that I'm trying to make. You cannot get healing from your emotional or spiritual leprosy until you recognize your need. You see, that couple sat through that service and uh, the crowd had all but gone. And I've finished working, praying with people in the altars, and I'm getting ready to walk out. And as I'm leaving the sanctuary, they're sitting on the back row, and I just saw them kind of hunkered down. And I walked over and introduced myself to them, and we chatted for a few minutes. And I said, guys, when I met them last Sunday, I said, I remember that day you wouldn't make eye contact with me. You wouldn't even make eye contact with each other. But you acknowledged your need that day. And God began a healing in your life that day. Hear me, guys. If you want a rich and satisfying life, the first step of this is you've got to get real about what's really going on because help is on the other side of recognizing your need. And, and, and I'm not talking about recognizing I need somebody else to do something differently than they're doing. I'm talking about getting honest with yourself about what's really going on in here. You understand one of the mistakes that the lepers in the Bible made oftentimes is that they would deny that they had leprosy. They would hide their leprosy. They would they'd wear long sleeves or they would pull up you know, a, a, a scarf or something to hide it until it was, they couldn't hide it anymore. And by then they had contaminated a lot of other people. And it was beyond the point where they could do anything about it other than to spread it. Hear me, guys. This might be worth tweeting or Facebooking or whatever. I don't know, but here's a truth for you. The longer something is held in secret, the longer something is held in secret, the more power it gets and the more people it affects. Do I need to say that again? The longer something is held in secret, the more power it gets and the more people it affects. If you want to be free, you got to recognize your need. you got to be honest with yourself about what's really going on and your part in what's going on. So let me be direct. i got to move on. Uh, but Pastor Andrew can teach you steps. Pastor Ivan can teach you steps. I can come and teach you steps to this rich and satisfying life. But you actually have to take them for the rich and satisfying life to become a reality. And the first step is I will recognize my needs. So can we pause for just a minute? 
I'm just a private moment between you and God, but can we pause for just a moment? Some of you already have been thinking about one of those pervasive, contagious, broken relationship things that's going on in your life. Some of you need to pause for a moment and do it, but can we do that right now? I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to tell the crowd what's going on. We're not going to put you on a microphone, but it's important that you recognize it. Can we do that right now? Father, you know anything that's going on in our lives that's keeping us from this rich and satisfying life that we want, anything, doesn't matter what it is, just we don't want it there. And so show me what it is, Lord, and I will recognize my need to lay it down. Jesus' name. Amen. Ready for step two? That may be the hardest step, but step two is just as critical. Step two is I will call on Jesus. I'll recognize my need, but I very quickly will call on Jesus. So let's, before we continue our story, let's make sure we're tracking in our story, okay? So where's Jesus? He's on the outskirts of town, right? And what did he encounter? Ten lepers, right? And what does leprosy represent? This pervasive, contagious, relationship-breaking disease, spiritual, emotional, physical. Frankly, anything that blocks you from a rich, satisfying life is spiritual leprosy, right? So now, what do these lepers do? Verse 12 and 13. They stood at a distance, because that's what they're required to do. You can't get too close. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy, have pity on us. It may be bold to just call out to the Lord God of the universe. I mean, Master is the what NIV says. King James says, Lord. They knew who he was. They recognized Messiah had come, and, and he called out. They called out to the Messiah and said, hey, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. Help us. We need your help. And that may sound bold, but that's exactly what he wants you to do. All the way back to the to the Psalms in the Old Testament, the Psalms said, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. I mean, that may seem obvious, but let's be honest, guys. We all have stuff. I got stuff. You got stuff. All God's children got stuff. Can I get an amen in the house? But the most common way to deal with stuff is to say, I got this. Hello, are you out there? Is this microphone on? We will trust God with our eternity, but we're going to take care of this stuff. All right? I, I, I'll take care of these. I'll get this finances in order. I, I'll get this marital struggle in order. I, I'll get this self-esteem thing sorted out. I, I, you know, I'll take care of it. I'll fix this. God, you just, you just take care of heaven for me. I'll fix this. But Jesus says, cast all your cares on him. Bring it to him. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Because of Jesus' blood and because of what he did for us on Calvary, we have access to the throne of God. The problem is, for even some of us, the problem is that, that we take that psalm, that cast your cares, and, and we think it's a fishing term. Am I right? We cast, and we just reel it back in. So we come to church, service like this, bring it to the altar, cast it, walk out the door, start worrying about it before we're even in the car. Right? He says, cast it. In other words, throw it away. Throw it as far as you can throw it, and don't pick it back up. Come to Jesus. Step one is, I will recognize my need. Say with me, I will recognize my need. Step two is, 
I will call on Jesus. Ready for step three? You ready? We can, we can explain the other two more if you're not ready. Here we go. Step three, I will take a step of faith. Now, here's where it gets scary for some. I will take a step of faith. Look at verse 14 of Luke 17. When he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So what did he tell them to do? I haven't got it. What did he tell them to do? Go. Say it with me. Oh, come on, one more time. Go. Can you imagine Jesus saying to you right now, it's time to go? Time to quit talking about this. Time to quit thinking about this. Time to quit worrying about this. Time to do something about it. Time to go. Time to move. I want you to imagine just as he did with them. I want you to imagine because whatever your need is, here's what I want you to hear. My cleansing is on the other side of my going. Say it with me. My cleansing is on the other side of my going. In their case, they had to go to the priest to be certified clean because it was the priest that certified them unclean. But the Bible says as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus said in another place, according to your faith will it be done to you. What I need you to understand is that faith is not a believe word. Faith is a do word. James says faith without works is dead. To say you believe it and not do anything about it is useless, in other words. So Jesus said, if you really want a rich and satisfying life, you do have to recognize your need. And yes, you do have to, to call on Jesus because he is the source that will help you to break through whatever it is that's holding you back from that rich and satisfying life. But ultimately, you have to take a step of faith because faith is not something you think. Faith is something you do. And it is in taking those steps that you ultimately find the healing that you want. Here's what I'm trying to say. The rich and satisfying life is not an event. It's a journey. And that journey has all kinds of steps along the way. But the first step is to say, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to step toward my healing. So... I told you I wanted this to be personal. I wanted this to be profound, transformative, not just informative. So if you've recognized a need today, and I sense that some of you have, and you've called on Jesus, what's your next step? What you're going to do now? Um, maybe it's just go to the guest lunch and learn more about this church. I don't know. Maybe it's take the ownership class next weekend. Maybe it's get water baptized. Maybe it's join a serve team. Maybe it's something practical like that. Maybe it's just be honest with somebody who cares that this is going on and get them to pray with you because the Bible says where two or three agree is touching anything, it's done. Maybe it's just finally owning up to what's really going on. Um, well, that would be that would be hard, Pastor Jim. That would be... That would be kind of humbling. That's the point. The Bible says God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the 
humble. In fact, I'll say it as directly as I know how. The next step in your journey to a rich and satisfying life will probably be a humbling step. It is most of the time. It requires a humbling yourself before God before the reality becomes real for you. Let me give you an illustration of this in Scripture, okay? I want to make sure you understand I'm teaching you the Word. Not This ain't self-help stuff. This ain't pop psychology stuff. This is the Word of God, okay? Story from the Old Testament. Man by the name of Laman, he was a or Naaman, he was a he was a powerful man. He was profoundly wealthy. He had the king's ear, uh, and everything is really rosy in his life until he wakes up one day and finds a white patch on his hand, and he realizes I have leprosy. So he recognizes his need. He also recognizes that his political clout and wealth is not going to help him with his need. This is leprosy. And so he goes to the man of God who can help. He goes to the prophet Elijah's, Elisha's house, stands outside his door, and he tells Elisha what he needs. So obviously this is Old Testament, so Elisha represents Jesus in our story. And uh, anybody want to guess what Elisha told him to do? Go. That's what he said. He said, go. Go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Now you'd think that Naaman would be grateful. You mean... I can just wash this off. But that's not what he was. Look at 2 Kings 5, 11, and 12. Naaman went away angry and said, I, I thought he would surely come out to see me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? See, the Jordan was a little small, muddy river, not majestic like these other rivers. He considered this river to be beneath him. Taking this step was beneath him. I love what Naaman's servants said. Verse 13, Naaman's servants went to him and said, um, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? I got the feeling that they said that in duck. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, sir, but it would, I mean, if you said do something great and grand, would, you'd have done that, right? Um, you see what he's saying? He said, I mean, if you really want your leprosy healed, why is it you're willing to do a grand thing to get your healing, but you're not willing to do a simple thing to get your healing? Anybody want to guess why? It's called pride. And in case you hadn't figured it out yet, for the vast majority of us who struggle in some area of our lives to get free, the number one obstacle to overcome is pride. To admit honestly to somebody, I ain't got it all together. Now, here's the, here's the coolest part about that, is they already know Uh, if they spend any time around you, they know. They're just hoping that you'll acknowledge it. In fact, John said, any man who thinks he doesn't have sin is only fooling himself. Everybody, we know. We see it. What's going on? It's only pride that keeps you stuck there. So, again, I'll say it again. 
the next step in your finding the rich and satisfying life may well be a humbling step. But understand when you're tempted to say, ah, I just can't, I can't do that. That's just too much. I can't, I can't admit that's going on. I can't forgive that person that hurt me. I can't ask for forgiveness from that person that I hurt. I can't acknowledge that this brokenness is going on. I, I can't admit to somebody that these things are happening in my life, even though I know they're pervasive and contagious and they're breaking relationships. I can't be honest with myself, much less tell anybody else. I can't humble myself to that point. Remember, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. As long as you hold on to your pride, you get to go it alone. You get to go it alone. And the rich and satisfying life is not at the end of that road. Go back to our story, 2 Kings 5, 14. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. His cleansing was on the other side of his going and going to do a humbling thing because he was willing to take that step of real faith, action faith, he was cleansed. So, again, trying to make this as practical as I can, what's your next step? You've identified your need. You recognize if you could have done something about it, you would have by now. You need Jesus. What's the next step to believing that God, in fact, can bring that healing into your life? What's your next step to step out and say, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do what I need to do knowing that my cleansing is on the other side of my going. But there's a fourth step, isn't there? Did I say there were four? The first step is what? I will, say it with me, come on, I will recognize my need. The second step is I will call on Jesus. The third step is I will take a step of faith the fourth one is just as powerful and just as important to get all the way to this rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised. I will be the one who is grateful. Say with me. I will be the one who is grateful. Let's go back to our New Testament story. So you got the picture, right? Jesus on the outskirts of town, ten lepers. They finally call out to him. He says, okay, go tell the priest. As they go, they're healed. Here they go. I want you to picture that. I want that to be real for you. I want you to imagine that you're one of those lepers and that you're walking away from Jesus and you're doing exactly what he said and you're on your way to the priest to show yourself to him and the itchiness goes away. And suddenly you realize scabs are falling off. And you look down and your fingers are growing back. And you realize... You smell the smell of fresh bread baking for the first time in years. And you reach up and touch your face, and there's a nose. <laughs> Just imagine the emotion of knowing and realizing that there is life on the other side of leprosy. I want you to imagine how they must have been feeling in that moment as they obeyed the direction of the Lord to go, and they went, and they started to go toward the priest and acknowledge they'd met Jesus. How did that emotion and that, I mean, can you imagine how grateful they were? 
I mean, I see them yipping and yelling and dancing and jumping and clapping and high-fiving each other and with fingers they didn't have a few minutes ago. I mean, I just, I just get this kind of incredible celebration going on. Nothing wrong with that. Love those kind of celebrations, but there's one guy that understood there's a little more to it than this. There's a little more to it. Verse 15 and 16. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. No doubt he had family to get back to just like the other guys. No doubt he wanted to sit down to a meal with his friends like he hadn't been able to do in years like the other guys, but at the end of the day, he understood that celebrating was a lot more about being grateful for who God is than it was about being grateful for what God had done. You see, gratefulness, gratitude was not just a celebration of what they had. It became an acknowledgement of who he is. And that's when gratitude really goes to the level that produces a rich and satisfying life. I love the fact that so many people this time of the year you know, the whole month of November, they will post on their Facebook walls something they're grateful for. And I love the fact that so often in churches we'll, we'll identify things we're grateful for. And this whole sermon series is designed to help us think about things we're grateful for. But at the end of the day, guys, what we're grateful for is that the God of the universe sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And because of that, he's worthy of our praise, whether we feel like it or not. He's worthy of the highest honor of all. Worship comes from the old English word worth-ship. It has to do with value. And gratitude at this level, gratitude that leads to the rich and satisfying life we all long for comes down to the highest value. His name is Jesus Christ. He came back praising God in a loud voice. The other nine were no doubt grateful and celebrated. This one worshipped. Verse 17 shows us the difference. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. That word well is, is huge in this passage. It's critical that you understand what he's saying. Your faith has made you well. He, he's already healed from his leprosy. What are you talking about me? Well, I already knew I was well. What's he talking about? In King James, the, the word is whole. In the original Greek manuscript, the, the Greek word is sozo, that, that literally means completely delivered, saved. The Hebrew word is shalom. 
Have you ever uh, had a, a friend who was Jewish? Maybe some of you have Jewish backgrounds. You understand that sometimes the greeting is, is shalom, and shalom means wholeness. It means I wish you every part of your life to be completely whole. I, I, that's what I wish for you. So if, if a Jew walks up to you and says shalom, man, that's about as good as it gets. It ain't just, hey, good to see you. It's, man, I hope every part of your life is, is just working like it ought to be working right now. It's this wholeness, completeness, emotional, spiritual, physical, relational wholeness. That's what Jesus said came to this guy because he acknowledged that he didn't just need to be cleansed from his leprosy. He needed a relationship with the God of the universe. And the only way you can relate to a supreme being is through worship because he's God and we ain't. Amen? Amen. i got to close. Um, the simple truth is, guys, that we all want a rich and satisfying life. I was told very young um, that there were two things that everybody on the planet needs. I was still a teenager when a guidance counselor told me this, and kind of resonated it made sense to me and 50 none of your business years later I'm, I'm I'm finding it to be true all over the world I'm finding it to be true there are two things that everybody needs they need to love and be loved and they need a sense of their meaning and purpose in life This white-haired preacher came here today to tell you that there's a way to have both. Recognize you have needs. You ain't got it all together. You ain't the captain of your own fate. You can't even figure out what you want for lunch. You're the captain of your own fate. Come on, I'm not either. Call on Jesus who says, I'm here and I love you and I'll receive you. Take steps of faith. When he says go, go. When he says do, do. Trust him. It may be humbling, but trust him. And ultimately, set it as a goal of your heart, not just to be thankful for what he's done for you, but recognize who he is and give him the worship that he alone is due. And on the other side of those four steps, you will find a rich and satisfying. simple, huh? Easier said than done, but let's pray for it. Would you join me in that prayer? Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to not only give us eternal life, but to give us a rich and satisfying life now, a life in all its fullness. I pray simply that every one of us in this room would pause in your presence and recognize as being honest with ourselves, that's what we long for. We want to love and be loved. We want a sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. We want a rich and satisfying life, a fulfilling life. And yet there are things in our lives that block us from that. So help us 
to take the steps that you've defined in Scripture and then help us to trust that you will give us what you promised you came to give. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. It's just me and you and God for a second. Nobody's looking around. We won't keep you much longer, but I want you to pray a prayer with me today. Just just pray back the steps that we just talked about, okay? But I want you to take them to Him, to Jesus. Pray in your own words if you like. You can pray silently, pray aloud. It doesn't matter. He hears your heart. He sees what's going on. But let it go something like this. Lord, show me anything in my life that's blocking me from fulfillment, from a rich and satisfying life. then help me to bring it to your feet, to bring it to your cross, and to believe that you have health and wholeness and abundance available for me. My commitment to you, Lord, is that when you say go, I will go. When you say move, I will move. And if it's humbling, so be it. I will do what you tell me to do. My answer to you, Lord, is yes, even before I have your direction. And I believe that as I go, as I obey, I will find the cleansing that I need. At the end of the day, Lord, help me not just to be grateful that you blessed me, me to realize who you are, not just be a consumer of blessings, but a worshiper of the one true God. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name. Father, you know who's praying, you know what's going on in their hearts right now. I pray that something has begun that's powerful and meaningful in them. To your glory. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just stand up across the room? There are prayer workers that are coming to the front who would love nothing better than to pray with you today. If you prayed that prayer with me today and, and you've never prayed a prayer like that before, you've never said, Jesus, I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. He's giving you a fresh start today. I want you to tell one of these people in the altar, take that step of faith, or, or at the very least, send me a text. Just send me a text new life to 55498 so we'll know because it's important that you not just make these decisions quietly but that you share them with people who care so here's a chance to come and pray a chance to share it through you know this 21st century version of confessing out loud take advantage of the opportunity new folks i'd love to meet you We're going to lunch in a few minutes we'll meet you out there in the lobby love to be a part of that Man, Olive Bridge family, thank you so much for all you do for the kingdom of God. Father, bless this congregation, bless these families, bless these individuals to your glory and the building of your kingdom. And let each of us look back on this day and know that we took steps, specific steps, that would move us toward the abundant life you promised. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. The altars are open. Take advantage of it.